Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball, a special off-season episode for you guys, part two of our five-part series, ranking all the top 50 free agents from MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, we'll be going through part two of that list, numbers 40 through 31, if you're following along. But before we get to that, we do have some breaking news involving the Red Sox. So I'm here with Micah Storms and Terry Cushman. And guys, just tweeted out before we came on the air, Ken Rosenthal tweeting out that the Red Sox are close to hiring Andrew Bailey as their pitching coach. So it's nothing totally official yet, but it appears as though the Red Sox are closing in on Andrew Bailey to be their new pitching coach. Micah, I'll start with you, just sort of your immediate reaction to this. Yeah, Jason, I'm I'm excited about this um, hire. Another former Red Sox um, who knows Boston well. Um, to me, what's the most exciting part is there was a lot of competition reported for um, Bailey's services. It was said that the Yankees were interested in him being a bench coach. Um, the Orioles were interested in him being their pitching coach, as well as the Marlins. And the Red Sox ended up coming out on top on this one. So I feel like that that sends a good message that maybe things aren't as awful as we maybe thought they were when um, the Red Sox were looking for a new CBO. Uh, maybe Craig Breslow is kind of stabilizing the front office. And you know, obviously the job is appealing enough to lure Bailey into town. Um, he's done a good job since 2020 in San Francisco. They've always had pretty good pitching and not super high profile pitching for the most part. He's kind of done it with, you know, kind of just finding pieces off the scraps and turning them into productive pitchers. Um, he was able to kind of turn around Carlos Rodon's career, um, in that short term deal. So I really like, Bailey coming to Boston. Obviously, the proof is going to be in the pudding, but I would imagine with a new pitching coach coming in, uh, and basically based on what Breslow has said this um, offseason so far, that they're going to be pretty aggressive in giving him an actual pitching staff to work with. Um, and then we'll obviously have to wait and see how well he does. But it's definitely an encouraging hire, I think, uh, to say the least. Terry, your thoughts on the on the news? I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other. Um, but year in and year out, Andrew Bailey's pitching staff beat Dave Bush's pitching staff. So, I mean, even by default, it's definitely an upgrade uh, over the previous guy. I'll be curious to know if, and if we ever even find out, whether or not this was a Red Sox ownership choice or if it was the guy Craig Breslow uh, wanted himself all along. So, um, you know, I guess that remains to be seen, but if Breslow can, you know, sign some top pitching, if we get our wish with Yamamoto and perhaps one or two other um, top names out there, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they perform under a guy like Bailey. And hopefully we'll at least go back to the Dombrowski era where we had a very formidable starting rotation. And, and really, you know, the 19 years 
before Bloom, you know, in, in what I like to call the World Series era, you know, the 21st century. So uh, we'll see. But I, I don't I don't have uh, strong feelings uh, about them at the moment. I'm, I'm not sure how he's exactly going to revolutionize, you know, our pitching program and necessarily make it more unique than everybody else's. We've seen what the Astros did, uh, you know, five or six years ago with the spin rate. And um, the Dodgers have had good pitching programs for really the last decade. And uh, Tampa seemed to before they started breaking all their pitchers. So um, I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think it's fair to put this in the like category, but not the love or despise categories. Um, I, I guess the most encouraging thing about it, as you guys pointed out, is that Andrew Bailey had a lot of offers on the table from other teams, including, you know, the Yankees wanted him to be their bench coach, which that's a pretty sweet position over there because Aaron Boone could be, you know, I know he just signed a, you know, kind of joking uh, extension, but like if they have another terrible season, he's not you know, he's not completely safe there. So the fact that Bailey turned down other opportunities to go with the Red Sox to join Craig Breslow in this new venture, obviously they know each other really well, um, played in the same same time era, and Breslow is known as a highly intelligent guy, and he knows pitching. So if he wanted Andrew Bailey and he was, you know, clever enough to get him, um, that I think is very encouraging. So I think at the very least it shows that the Red Sox recognize that Pitching has been their biggest Achilles heel for a while here, and they are actively and aggressively looking to, to fix that. So, you know, whether Bailey is going to be able to do the job and whether he'll be any good, I don't know either. I mean, you know, so far what he's done in San Francisco, not bad, but, you know, they're not they're not going to World Series or anything like that. So um, we'll see what he does. But I, I don't I don't hate the move. I'm just not head over heels about it either. I, I just it's a solid thumbs up. Yep. I like it. Let's see how it goes. Um, you know, that's, that's really, I think all you can kind of say about it because Bailey's his track record is so is it's such, such a small sample size that I don't think anyone can really sit there and go, Oh my God, it's, you know, the steel of the century. We don't know that yet. It might be a really good move. It might just be an average move, but I think for now it's just a, a solid. Yeah. Okay. Good. You know, at least we got someone. So um, so you can kind of see the Red Sox coaching staff starting to take shape. Um, still need a third base coach. We'll get to that at some point, I'm assuming. But until then, uh, all we have is other free agency news. And there really hasn't been much. There's been a lot of minor league trades as teams are kind of solidifying their 40-man rosters. But there are a lot of free agents out there. And hence, we're going to go back to our top 50 list from MLB trade rumors. Uh, again, this is part two of a five-part series that we're doing so we're going to go from numbers 40 through 31 for you guys tonight so starting right at number 40 they have Whit merrifield someone who's already been linked to the red sox uh utility guy middle infielder can play multiple positions they have him projected getting two years 18 million dollars so micah i will start with you how do you feel about Whit merrifield's market I think two and 18 sounds reasonable. Um, I think he's 34, 35 years old. So committing more than one year, um, maybe there's a little bit of risk there. He had a really good year with Toronto. 
Um, he's very versatile, so he can play second base. He can play a little bit of the outfield. Uh, and he's a right-handed bat, which you know we've talked a lot about how lefty-heavy the Red Sox lineup is. So getting a, a, a bat like Merrifield would definitely be productive and helpful. I'm just not sure 18 mil if that would be the number. I think that's a reasonable number for his services. I just don't know if that's the best use of the Red Sox money just based on the the needs they have. Second base is definitely a need that they potentially could have. Um, But I wonder if they could go out and kind of find a right-handed bat at second base via their trade market or something like that, and then use the money to go get pitching. I just, I, I, I would like to see the majority of the money that they use to go get pitching. Um, if they get Merrifield, I'd be okay with it. Um, but I don't think it would be a move that I would absolutely say, yep, I love that move. Um, I think I'd be okay with it though. Terry, what do you think? I think it's a deal that we would all like better on a, a one-year deal. And I think a guy like Merrifield would possibly take a one-year deal if it was the right situation in a place that he wanted to play. You know, Mitch Moreland, when he was here, he always could have probably got more years someplace else, but, you know, chose... And he actually did take less money, actually, the first time around. The Guardians offered him more, and he took less to play for Boston because he wanted to play 80 games a year at Fenway park. So it it just depends on what Merrifield is looking for. I I don't see why he couldn't go year to year. Um, His offensive production has been pretty consistent, uh, you know, for, for the last several years, he's great on the bases and, you know, I mean, how many times do we watch Alex Verdugo get caught in a rundown or, you know, blow through a stop sign or something. And, you know, so I I think your base running would improve. The one part that kind of has me somewhat conflicted with Merrifield is the defense has slipped. He had a negative defensive run saved, uh, you know, and second base has been a black hole uh, in two areas. Number one, just overall production anyway. And then number two, defense, you know, we've been getting hurt pretty bad there. So I, I think Merrifield addresses half of it, but I feel like I'd be a hypocrite, you know, for criticizing Bloom, you know, with how bad we were defensively, you know, throughout his entire tenure. And then to just say, yeah, I'll take a guy like Merrifield. Ultimately, if it happens, I won't criticize it. I'll be fine with it, but I don't know. You're looking to bridge the gap here uh, to get either Meyer or York up at the big league uh, level. And if, if Nick York can't get here by not this coming spring training, but the following one, I mean, what are we, what are we doing anyway? Yeah. Merrifield, I think that contract, I think it's more likely he gets one with an option. I, I just think he's going into, he'll be 35 at the start of next year. So, and he's a guy that his game is about speed and, you know, athleticism. And at what point does that just kind of go away? Um, granted, he's been one of the few guys that's been just sort of a model of consistency, at least offensively throughout his career. But yeah, if the defense is going to start to slip because 
you know, father time is catching up with him and he's not as athletic as he used to be, then I don't see how that's really an upgrade for you at second base. And I feel like even though the contract isn't outrageous, you know, 9 million a year is not um, something that you're going to cry home about, but it's still, if you sign him and it's a complete bust, then it's just more wasted money that you're saddled with. And I, I, it's a, maybe an unfair comparison, but when I think of Whit Merrifield coming to Boston, it reminds me of 2016 when they traded for Aaron Hill. And Aaron Hill was a really good second baseman with the Blue Jays for years and years. Really good hitter, was good defensively. Boston traded for him in his age 34 season, and he was useless. He hit 218 here. He was not the same guy. And it was just, that was pretty much the end of his career. So maybe not a fair comparison, but that's kind of who I think of. If the Red Sox were to go after Whit Merrifield, I'd be like, okay, I just hope it's not Aaron Hill 2.0 because. They thought they were getting a steal there when they got him and it didn't work out. So um, I think for, for the Red Sox, I'd be all set with with Merrifield and just not pursuing him. I I don't think that they, I think they could get a better upgrade for the middle infield, whether it be via a trade or someone else on this free agent list, but Merrifield to me, I just, the age and and everything that just kind of scares me a little bit. So I'd prefer they stay away from a guy like that. So moving on to number 39 on the list, another middle infielder, it's Ahmed Rosario. And they also slot him at two years, 18 million, what they believe his market is. Terry, start with you. What do you think of Ahmed Rosario? He's been a guy that I wouldn't have minded as as a midseason trade uh, in, in previous years, but he just doesn't really check off a lot of boxes for me. Uh, you know, he's not a high on base guy and that's something that I kind of covet. Um, very average, uh, offensively. Uh, he's, you know, single digit home runs, uh, you know, well he, yeah, I say that he's hit 11, uh, in 2021 and 2022, but still, I, I just, he's not a dynamic bat for me. um, you know, to, to add him, I'd much rather just keep a guy like Duran in the lineup and, and roll the dice with a guy like him. Um, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, in Duran's case, most likely in the outfield, I don't know if they'll, um, bring him back to second base, but still a guy like Rosario just doesn't move the needle for me. I mean, I I think you, you arguably, a guy like Valdez might have a have a higher ceiling offensively. So not a guy I really covet. Um the the two years in twenty five million, whatever, that sounds kinda high to me. Um you know, he's just the, these guys are a dime a dozen to me and I just don't think he's a fit for the Red Sox. Micah, what do you think? I think two and 18 is what you said. I, I just, I think that's a, a massive overpay for a guy with a 300 OBP and provides no power. Um, I, I like his ability to make contact. He's not a, a high strikeout guy. Um, and he is better defensively since he's moved from, from shortstop over to second base. Um, he's a much better defender um, at that position as most shortstops usually are when they slide over. But I, I just don't think paying again. It 
if I'm not loving the idea of paying Whit Merrifield that type of money, I, I think Rosario would probably be a step down. The only thing that I you like more about Rosario is he's younger. But um, if I had to take Merrifield or Rosario for two years, I'm going to take Merrifield every single time just because there's a better track record there. And I just think that the back of the baseball card is better for Merrifield than Rosario. So um, at the right price, a one-year seven eight million dollar deal would i take rosario maybe but i wouldn't go any higher than that and i think two for 18 is a it would be a massive overpay i yeah i want nothing to do with ahmed rosario um his only benefit that again going up against whit merrifield is that he's younger ahmed rosario is only 27 years old which is crazy to think about it feels like he's been around forever but he did debut as a 21 year old way back in the day so I guess that's partially why, but um, the bat doesn't do it for me. He's a, you know, he's a guy who relies on his speed to make things happen. And, you know, the on-base is terrible. He doesn't have power and his defense is atrocious. Uh, he's a negative uh, 16 defensive run safe last year. So um, he was eventually, he was traded to the Dodgers mid season and they didn't even put him on the playoff roster. He, he barely played over there. So he's just kind of, a guy who's going to need to find a one-year deal with a small market team just to kind of get back on his feet and reestablish himself. Um, you know, Cincinnati might take a run at him, Pittsburgh, like something like that. Um, he's not a fit for Boston. It, he's just, again, he's a guy who really desperately needs to hit the reset button. Because uh, at one time he was a decent hitter and not the worst fielder in the world. Um, now, you know, guys are talking about him saying he can't play shortstop ever again. He's got to be a full-time second baseman if he wants to stick around. The Guardians, towards the end of his tenure there, before they traded him, were putting him at DH. That's how bad his defense was. So for a guy who's only 27 and is supposedly pretty athletic, for his defense to drop off like that is uh, very alarming. So I think Rosario is a candidate for, like I said, a small market, one-year deal, one-year prove-it kind of deal to reestablish himself, but um, that is not what Boston should be looking for. So I would take a hard pass on him as well. So next up, number 38 on the list is Gio Urshela, and they project him getting a two-year, $20 million deal. Uh, Micah, what do you think of Gio Urshela? Can Urshela play second base? Is that because I know he's played a lot of third base, but would he be an option for third or for second base? The only issue is he, he had a really bad pelvic injury this past season that it, it ended his year. So I don't know if like that'll affect him in terms of versatility. He's always been a third baseman. So I don't know if he would be willing to change positions, especially after a bad injury like that. Yeah, I he's been okay um, in his time with Minnesota. And I think he got traded to L.A., I believe, with the Angels. Um, two for 20 seems reasonable but i think there's a very little upside with urshela he kind of is decent defender doesn't hit for a whole lot of power especially if you're going to play him at a corner position I, I don't love that idea um with the red Sox, i i don't see a fit even if he could play second base i just two for 20 again would i want urshela over merrifield no i wouldn't i would rather have merrifield so if my answer was kind of eh on merrifield then i'm a hard no 
on Urshela. Um, I, I think he's a productive player, but um, for the Red Sox, I don't see a fit at all. Terry, thoughts on Urshela? Basically, two or three years ago, my attitude on him would be a little bit different. Um, baseball reference has him listed as a first uh, baseman, shortstop, and third baseman. He did play a little bit of first last year. Maybe that was to, um, you know, maybe he was banged up, like you said, and, and that was the solution for it. But... Um, even if he was completely healthy, I'm not sure he would be worth taking a chance on. I mean, only two home runs in in all of 2023. There was a bit of a drop-off with the power. I just feel like there's, there's a lot of risk in, in bringing in a guy like him, especially coming off a hip injury, which tends to be pretty serious. You know, whether you're a position player, a pitcher... I mean, we saw how it affected Garrett Whitlock uh, in 2022. I just, I just don't see it. A few years ago, his power numbers were up. Um, you know, he hit 20 home run, 21 home runs in in 2019. Uh, his on base percentage has been, you know, towards the mid 350s in the past, which is nice to see. He's been a good defender, and that's mostly. At third base, uh, his uh, defensive war. Oh, I was looking at the wrong column. I was looking at offensive. He still has been above average, though. He's only been a, a negative defender once in his career, and it was 0 0.1. That was 2021. But um, I, I just, it, it's just too complicated, too many risks, too many unknowns. I don't think the Red Sox are a fit for him. If a team had a legitimate need at third base, I would say that's going to be the, the dance partner for him this winter. Yeah, I think Urshela, much like Rosario, is going to be looking at sort of a, a one-year prove-it kind of deal because that injury was was pretty rough. Uh, and for a guy who's already 32 going on 33, I think that teams are going to want to see him reestablish himself and prove that you know he can get back to at least double digits homers, even if it's still just 10 to 15, um, you know, no one's going to pay $20 million for a guy who hits two home runs. That's just, it's not going to happen no matter how good he is defensively. And he is a very good defensive third baseman. So he will land somewhere um, the, the glove will definitely get him somewhere. And hopefully he can sort of find some of that offensive magic he had when he was with the Yankees. Um, but for Boston, there's, there's just no, there's no fit. I mean, if you're going to bring him in as a, bench utility guy sure but he's not going to take that he, he's going to want to be a starter somewhere um some team is going to overpay for him to be their starting third baseman um so and i say by all means let them you know wh whoever that team is uh let them overpay for him it's no reason for the red sox to really pursue a guy like that um nice player good defender but i just i don't see a fit here at all so uh, and i don't think he's getting two years over 20 i think he's getting much less than that but we'll see how it shakes out. So next up on the list, finally, a pitcher. Uh, it's Tyler Malley, and they are projecting him to get also two years, $20 million. Uh, Terry, what do you think of Malley? 
he's not going to be available until uh, the All-Star break due to the fact he's had Tommy John surgery. And even if he was healthy, this is a back end of the rotation guy. It would be the quintessential Bloom type signing. You know, he'd fall in love with a certain metric. We'd get Tyler Maley and he would probably get creamed, you know, for two thirds of the season. Um, you know, he's, there's just no upside. We've got plenty of back end of the rotation guys. We don't know what Tanner, how Garrett Whitlock's roles are going to be. Um, Nick Pavetta and Cutter Crawford. I, I consider them to be lower to back end of the rotation guys. We need to, we need to raise the bar higher than guys like Tyler Maley. So hard, hard pass on him. Micah, what do you think? I've always been intrigued by Mally. Um, I just don't think the Red Sox are at the right time for these two to potentially link up. Um, the front of the rotation is where the majority of the attention needs to go to and the majority of the money. Um, if you would tell me that the Red Sox would have a starting five and then they add Mally and he's viewed more as an insurance policy to Chris Sale, I could maybe get behind that, that idea, but that would be with the idea that the Red Sox are really going to spend money this offseason and that, you know, that 10 to 20 million, if it's for two years, they're willing to basically say, you know what, I don't really care. I want the insurance policy for for Chris Sale. So I, I would be intrigued with that idea, especially then it could maybe put Whitlock and Hauk in the bullpen and it, and it, it shores up the bullpen a little bit more. But I, I don't know if the Red Sox are going to do that. We haven't seen the Red Sox spend money like that um, in quite some time. So I just don't think these two teams are quite at the right time. But I think two for 20 is probably the appropriate amount of money. Um, I could see even someone giving him a little bit more just because his one year, he had one really good year. Um in Cincinnati in 2021, he made 33 starts and had 3.75 ERA. And that ballpark in Cincinnati, that's a pretty good accomplishment. But we just we haven't seen him be really healthy for the last couple of years. And we just we continue to talk about how no one in the Red Sox rotation is healthy. So just going out and signing already damaged goods just doesn't make a lot of sense at this moment. Yeah, I'm done with the Flyers. I, I don't I don't want to take Flyers on injured guys anymore. And Tyler Malley will get a deal somewhere. Um, I agree with Micah. I think he might actually get more than the two years, uh, especially given that he won't be available for the first half of 2024. Um, I could see him getting like a three-year deal, something like that. Um, I don't, you know, maybe a team like San Francisco that really needs to kind of revamp their pitching once again could give him that deal, but... I don't want the Red Sox pursuing guys like this. Uh, you know, he he has a good pedigree. He has good stuff. But, you know, the injuries are there and he's going to be 29 heading into the season. Like, it, you know, if he was a little bit younger, I would maybe maybe take a shot. But I just feel like it's going to be, you know, Garrett Richards, Corey Kluber all over again. And He's not as old as those guys were when they came here, but it's the same kind of deal. Just, you know. Let's let's just give ten million dollars to a guy who hasn't pitched in forever, um, and hope that you know he rediscovers who he is. I just I'm done with the Red Sox doing that. It's part of the reason I wanted I am gone gone in the first place. So Tyler Malley, I think will get a deal, probably around what they projected for him. Um, 
I just, I, it shouldn't be here. It, it, again, it should be a mid-market kind of move, you know, a mid-market kind of team that's going to go after him. But I don't want him in Boston. I'm all set there. So moving on to number 36 on the list, it is Harrison Bader, the former Yankee. And they also project him to get two years, $20 million. Micah, your thoughts on Harrison Bader? I just am not a Harrison Bader fan at all. I actually love the idea that he played for the Yankees because everyone just kind of looks at the metrics and they're like, oh, this guy's amazing. But he never is on the field. The most games he's played in the last three years is 103, which the last time I checked, we're still at 162 games. So that means he misses a heck of a lot of time. Um, He's great defensively. I won't disagree with that, but he runs into one every once in a while. But other than that, what are are you getting offensively? Not a whole lot. The, The power that is somewhat there and the defense combination I mean, you better be an absolute gold glover if you're going to be that that type of player. And we haven't seen Bader play enough to earn a gold glove. Um, so I, I think two for 20 is a massive overpay for a player like that. Um, he's nothing more than a Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, and, and at least Kevin Kiermeyer, when he was played with the Rays, he was on the field all the time. But, you know, I, the lack of durability to me, is an absolute deal breaker. Um, He has no place for the Red Sox, in my opinion. Um, And I just think two for 20 is is way too much money for a player like that. Terry, how about you? You're looking to get more balanced in the outfield, you know, with right-handed bats. And I think if we came away with Harrison Bader, we'd all be pretty disappointed. you know, durability is a big thing for me. As as Micah was pointing out, he just does not stay healthy. And outside of that insane September he had, and I think it did carry into October uh, of 2022 uh, with the Yankees, um, outside of that insane run there, he, he's really not that dynamic, you know? He's... He's not going to carry you offensively. He's a bottom third of the order bat. And I think we've got plenty of guys, like I said earlier, that, you know, can exceed the output he's going to give us at at a much cheaper rate. I mean, Jaron Duran, I don't think is going to make a million dollars. Maybe he will, but it won't be much more than that. Uh, Willier Abreu, again, another guy who's going to be pretty close to the major league minimum. I think those two alone could, you know, give you a lot more production than what a guy like Harrison Bader will give you. Um, I'd almost just rather bring back Adam Duvall, if I'm being completely honest. At least he's got a swing for Fenway Park. He has his own issues with durability, as we saw. But I'd rather go with a guy we've got a little bit of familiarity with. And um, I certainly hope the Red Sox will you know, set the bar higher for a, a right-handed outfield bat. Some people want Juan Soto. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't cough up the package and then a year later have to deal with Scott Boris. But hopefully hopefully they have someone in their sights that um, will be productive. I mean, go back to 2018. You had Andrew Benintendi, who hadn't fallen off the cliff yet. Uh, Mookie Betts, and then we tolerated Jackie Bradley Jr. because the other two were really good. So 
I want to have a, you know, an outfield that's, you know, that's feared by other teams again. I want to get back to that. And usually finding a, a power hitting outfield was always easy. You know, it was all, they were, like I said, a dime a dozen. You could, you could get a 3,100 guy. You might have a, a few more strikeouts with certain players, but um, yeah. So, you know, we're at the top 30s on this list. So that's kind of why we're poo-pooing uh, a lot of them. But um, Bader is not a guy I, I really see as, as even a reclamation project. He's just not a good baseball player and never really has been. Yeah, Bader's health issues are a big concern as well for me. And yeah, he's good defensively, but he's not like he's not the best defensive outfielder in the game right now. So, you know, he's he's in the above average category there, but it's nothing special enough to throw, be throwing ten million dollars at him. And offensively, he's close to being just right-handed Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, he really offensively has not really done much. Yeah, occasionally he can run into one and you know provide some pop, but the overall numbers is you know his plate discipline is terrible. His average is usually down in the low two hundreds. Um, this is a guy that again probably looking at a mid to low market team, bottom of the order type of player. Um, you know, I don't know where he'll end up. I don't know if he's going to get two over twenty. That seems pretty steep for a guy who can't stay on the field and can't hit. I mean, like he's going to end up with much less than that. But yeah, I agree with you guys. Not absolutely not a fit for Boston. Uh, don't want him here. Want a right-handed bat in the outfield for sure. Not Harrison Bader though. It's got to be a lot better than that. So wherever he ends up, good luck to them. But I'm all set on Harrison Bader. So moving on to number 35, a pretty intriguing name here, Sean Manaya, and they project him getting a two-year, $22 million deal. Terry, what do you think of Sean Manaya? Hard pass. Um, you know, the dude's been a mess physically. He's extremely inconsistent. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he did pitch uh, a good part of 2023 uh, in the bullpen last year. Um, you know, like I said earlier, We've got plenty of back of the rotation guys. Um, you know, if if we had a solid one, two, three, and maybe a guy like Manaya was coming off of, uh, you know, a more solid season, I I could be open minded to it. You know, a lot of Red Sox fans remember, um, you know, he threw that no hitter against us. I think that was in 2018. So all's well that ended well. But you know, aside from that, I mean. I just, I'm just not a fan, you know, there, there were some winters, you know, a few years back where I thought, okay, he could be interesting, but he really, he's, he's been a mess and, um, I just rather him be another team's problem. Micah, what do you think? I think he's really nothing more than a bulk guy. Um, I think he'd be perfect for like the Rays or someone as a team that, you know, likes to throw th pitchers three or four innings at a time. Um, but I don't think he really offers a lot to the Red Sox. Um, his career ERA at Fenway Park, small sample size, but in four starts, he has a 15.7 ERA. So, 
I'm just not sure that that's a gamble. And again, the Red Sox, they have so many problems in the, in the pitching department. They can't afford to throw $10 million at another Corey Kluber. They they can't miss throwing that type of money around. Um, They could certainly, uh, you know, sign someone and it doesn't necessarily work out. But if you're going to throw 10 plus million dollars at a player, you need that player to be good. Um, or at least productive. And I, I just think there's way too many scenarios where Manaya just doesn't have it and doesn't throw well for the Red Sox. Um, two for 20, I think, seems maybe reasonable because he can throw over 100 innings, but um, not for Boston. I, I think if the Red Sox are investing in Manaya, the offseason did not go as planned. Yeah, this is a guy who's going to need to pitch in a big ballpark. So, Fen- having him pitch at Fenway is an immediate no-no. Um, 2022, when he pitched for San Diego, which is a cavern of a ballpark, it's massive. 28 starts, he gave up 29 bombs. So, I mean, that's how bad it went for him in San Diego. It wasn't much better this year in San Francisco, which is also a fairly big ballpark. Um, still gave up a lot of bombs. Eventually, you know, wasn't even able to be a starter at that point. So I think he is going to end up being more of a multi-inning reliever slash bulk guy slash someone who's going to have to prove that he belongs back in the rotation. You know, he's going to have to fight his way back in there if he wants it. Um, Two over 22. I don't, I certainly wouldn't want the Red Sox to do it, but um, teams do often pay a premium for pitching, particularly when they're desperate. So I could see a desperate team giving him exactly that kind of deal, maybe slotting him in as a number five, but I think ultimately the trajectory of Manaya's career is that he's going to end up in the bullpen and that's just kind of where it's headed for him. So um, not a guy I want the Red Sox investing in, not someone that they should be pursuing. Um, the new pitching coach will have intimate knowledge of him because, you know, he was there last year with him. So I'm pretty sure uh, Bailey would take one look at Manaya and say, no, we're, we're not doing that. Let someone else have him. So um, yeah, it, I, I don't know what kind of deal he'll get. Maybe the two over 22, but he's not going to end up being a premier starter anywhere. So hopefully it was up. a clause in Bailey's contract. I'm not coming to Boston. If Sean Mania comes here, right? Yeah, I'll come, but you leave Sean Mania <laughs> alone. <laughs> so with that, we'll move to number 34 on the list. Another starting pitcher, uh, Michael Lorenzen. They're projecting him to also get two years over 22 million. Micah, what are your thoughts on Lorenzen? I feel like what he did with Detroit um, in the first half of last year when he was an all-star, I just don't think that's the, the pitcher he really is. Um, we saw him go to Philly, and he had a tremendous first two starts. And then he was left off the postseason roster. And it's like if that doesn't kind of tell you everything you need to know there, you know, can you get some quality starts out of Michael Lorenzen? Yeah, I believe you can. But is it going to be consistent starts? I, I have no idea. Um, to me, if the Red Sox were to sign him, he's nothing more than a number four, number five starter. Nothing better than that. Um, so I, I just don't think he really moves the needle with this team if the Red Sox were to, to sign him. Um, but you said two and 22. I mean, the fact that he can throw probably 140 to 180 innings um, he's been fairly durable over the last couple of seasons. I think that's absolutely 
you know, understandable. It's a, it's a reasonable contract, but for the Red Sox, again, I, I keep saying no, 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 no. These it's because the Red Sox needs are the front of the rotation. And so far we've not talked about one guy who I believe is anywhere near a, a front of the rotation arm or even a number three arm. And that's what the Red Sox need. And Lorenzen again, doesn't do it um, for the Red Sox. Terry, what do you think? I like him the best of any of the pitchers we've talked about on this show, but at the end of the day, he still fits into a similar category as all the other guys. He's spent most of his career pitching out of the bullpen in Cincinnati. Uh, He did start 21 games his rookie year in 2015, and then after that, he only had five more starts over the next seven years before arriving in Anaheim and had a 4-2-4 ERA. That's kind of like a Nick Pavetta type year. Only 97 innings though, so he must have been dinged up or something. He was having a very solid year in Chicago, uh, a 3.58 ERA. Then he goes to the Phillies, pitches a gem in his first outing, and then a no-hitter in his second outing, I thought Dave Dombrowski just had the steal of the century. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, you know, because I, you know, was rooting for the Phillies. And then I don't know what happened. He just fell off a cliff and um, had to be pulled out of the rotation and put in the bullpen. He only made two appearances in the postseason. Um, none of it, you know, was in, you know, key spots. And, uh, you know, now he's a free agent. So, I mean, if Andrew Bailey's a really good pitching coach, maybe he could make him serviceable in some way. But again, we got to set the bar way higher. If we sign Michael Lorenzen, you guys are going to be listening to me predict 79 to 82 wins again. And I'm sick of throwing those numbers out. So let's sign some good pitching. It's crazy to me that Lorenzen is at this or, or on this section of the list because after that trade happened and you said it, he pitched a gem his first game, then the no hitter. Um, I would have thought, man, this guy just got himself paid for the off season. Like, wow, what what a what a season he's had, not just with you know Detroit to start, but then like you know you go to a contending team, you pitch lights out, and then it just completely fell apart. And this is where he is. He's gonna be you know, a, a back-end starter somewhere. Um, I think he can probably manage to get more than two over 22 um, just because I think a lot of teams will buy into that first half of the season that he had. Personally, for me, I'm out on Lorenzen. I, I always am fearful of these pitchers that have been relievers their whole career, and then they turn 30 and they want to be a starter. It's like, I, I don't I don't trust that. I didn't trust it when Matt Strom wanted to do it. Um, I don't trust Lorenzen as a long time or a long-term option as a starter. I don't think it's going to work out. So that's another one where I would say, you know, same with Sean Mania, like I'm perfectly fine letting another team bite the bullet on Michael Lorenzen and, and take a shot on him. I don't want the Red Sox doing it. Um, I think they can do a lot better than that. So uh, we'll see where he ends up, but I'll set with him in Boston. So moving on to number 33 on the list, uh, World Series champion Aroldis Chapman. They predict him getting two years, $24 million. Terry, what do you think of Aroldis Chapman? 
The sad part is, is we need a lefty really bad. I mean, you do have Brennan Bernardino, and I'm cautiously optimistic he's going to be solid for us this year, but you, you don't know that for sure. And you know, Chapman is a lefty. Um, we talked about a couple of relievers on part one, and uh, you know, one of the key points was that we have a lot of money already tied up in that bullpen. Uh, you've got Kenley Jansen for one more year at 16 million, uh, Chris Martin at you know eight million, and I also pointed out. Martin will definitely almost certainly be very solid, but you're not going to see an insane video game number type year uh, again uh, from from Martin. I, I think his numbers will come down to earth a little bit. I mean, he ended the year with an ERA just over one. I mean, that's insane. And I'm also cautiously optimistic that Jansen will be solid. Um, you know, he... He's still better than what we had to go through with Craig Kimbrell, but the, um, you know, he does have some health, you know, concerns. He gets lightheaded at times, and, you know, I think he dealt with a hamstring late in the season. So bringing in a guy like Chapman, I just, you know, he's found a way to remain relevant. The velocity is still there. He's still throwing right around 100 that's good. Um, I don't know that I want him in my clubhouse, though. I mean, he's got an attitude problem. Uh, you would hope that at this point in his career, he he would be open open to, you know, a, a various, you know, range of roles w- with a team. But I just, I don't think it's likely given his price tag. I, I think two at twenty four. I think that's probably the best projection of anyone we've uh, covered so far. And I, I just don't see the Red Sox paying that, unfortunately. Micah, how about you? Two and 24 feels more like, at the very least, a setup role, but potentially a, an opportunity to close for a team. That's what that contract kind of screams to me. Um, and I'm, I really thought Chapman's career was just about over when he was in his final year with the Yankees. He was so, uh, so wild and the velocity wasn't quite there. And then he goes to Kansas city and he, he finds it again. And I mean, he was throwing 103 miles per hour in the playoffs and that's kind of remarkable with how long he's been in the league. And he's really been, on so many postseason runs where I can't believe he's been able to maintain this type of velocity. I'm super intrigued by just the, 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 the player and the fact that he's a lefty that the Red Sox desperately need. The Red Sox bullpen does feel like they don't have the velocity, uh, a guy like Chapman and in their bullpen um, who could just blow it by the, the hitter. Um, but I, I just, I don't see it happening, but I think two and 24 is definitely on the table for Chapman just because you know what you're going to get with him. Um, He is wild, but he can get a strikeout at any time and it could be any batter. And there's not a whole lot of relievers available this off season where you could say that who have a proven track record. But um, I, I just don't think the Red Sox and him are a good fit. 
in terms of the money, because I think, again, the money is going to be used for the starting pitching. One guy, yeah. we covered him on the last show, Yuki Matsui. Look him up. He's intriguing. Yuki Matsui? Yeah, he's a lefty. He's been in, he's pitched in the, you know, the Japanese leagues for 10 years, has a career 2.70 ERA. Um, he, and because he's pitched in that league so long, he's not subject to the posting fees uh, that Yamamoto will be and, and Otani was previously. But I, for the money, I, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on that guy. Yeah, I, see, I'd much rather do something like that than give uh, that kind of money to Arolas Chapman. And he's going to get that money for sure because, again, over 100 strikeouts as a as a closer this year between Kansas City and Texas. If he can still throw it 100-plus and get guys out that way, he's going to get that contract. Every team knows about his walk rate. So people can play all of the walk rate. Why would you ever want that? Some teams don't care. They, they want the guy who throws 103 can punch a guy out just with his fastball. So um, Chapman's that deal. I don't want it to be in Boston. I just – I know we need a lefty. I know we need dynamic arms out of the bullpen. Just not that guy. That's that's just, you know, the Red Sox, I think, have really tried the last couple of years to build sort of a, a clubhouse chemistry feel that they are happy with, a leadership structure that they're happy with. I don't want to bring that clown into it. I just, I don't think that he's going to be a good fit here. I don't think it would last. Um, or at the very least, I don't think he would be happy here. I, I don't think that he would enjoy it. So I just feel like that would be a failed experiment all around. So um, he's he's going to get paid, you know, especially his performance in the postseason and all that. He'll get paid. Um, I just don't want it to be in Boston. I'm, I'm all set, you know. With Matt, um, with Matt Sui, it's interesting because I, I feel like if you're Breslau, you you have to look at this with how much money and the needs in the rotation. It, obviously, these are just projections, but um, trade rumors has Matsui for two and sixteen, and if Chapman's going for two and twenty-four, I mean that's an easy decision in my opinion. Like I'll take the flyer on a guy who, you know, is. I think Matsui's around the same age, maybe a little younger than than Chapman. Do you know Terry? Do you know Matsui's age? I thought he was twenty nine. <laughs> Let's see. I can okay. scroll down. Well, then he's significantly younger. Um, yeah, it looks like he's twenty eight, going on twenty nine. Okay, so I mean that's significantly younger. Um, and we 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 do know, and it's been well documented the the walk rate for Chapman. He walks almost six batters per nine. So. Usually Japanese pitchers don't walk a lot of people. So um, I, I would be very intrigued with, you know, using that money. They, they could potentially save, you know, anywhere from, you know, four mil per year. I think you have to look at it that way and say, we're getting a lefty. We're saving four million. We can put that elsewhere. I, I just think that's the way they're going to have to operate this offseason with the other needs. Absolutely. Yeah. And he would be very intriguing for sure. Um, especially if they can get Yamamoto too, but we'll see. Uh, so moving to number 32 on the list, it's another starting pitcher. It's Nick Martinez and they project him getting two years, 25 million. Uh, Micah, what do you think about Nick Martinez? 
I feel like Martinez is maybe just a little bit better than Manaya just from the right side. I think he's, again, I, I don't really view him as a starting pitcher. I know he can start. He, he feels more like a spot starter bulk guy. Um, you know, and I, I guess this is maybe the Nick Martinez, Sean Manaya's of baseball are kind of the way baseball is kind of going towards because guys don't throw 180 plus innings any, anymore. That's really not the norm. Um, I know Terry, you said last show um, I was listening and you were like, you know, my, my standard is still 200 innings for a front of the rotation guy, but those guys are becoming less and less. And even the 150 inning guys, I feel like are becoming less and less. And it's the Nick Martinez type of pitchers who can throw 120 innings feel like they're the ones who are becoming super valuable, but I just, again, the Red Sox need durability. They need innings because they didn't get that from a lot of their guys last year. And I just don't see how Nick Martinez really solves that problem. To me, Tanner Howe can probably throw 110 innings and it would be about the same quality as Nick Martinez. I, I don't think Nick Martinez really moves the needle again with the Red Sox needs. I feel like I'm a broken record, but I just none of these names in terms of potential starters or bulk guys are very intriguing for me. Um, I, I just could they help them? Yeah, but not over the course of a, a being consistent over the course of a full season. Terry, what do you think? Well, again, you know, the, the bar is just too low with a guy like uh, Martinez. Uh, just something interesting to point out with him, though. Um, you know, he pitched four years for Texas before going to Japan, and his strikeout per nine was, like, insanely low, like way below what you would expect the – um, you know, the major league average to be, but it, you know, he had a 5.4 strikeout per nine in 2017 year before that, it was only 3.7 year before that 5.5 goes to Japan, pitches a few years, comes back. He's got an 8.0, uh, strikeout per nine with the Padres in 2022. And then even better last season at 8.6. So, I see him more as a, you know, a mid-level reliever. I think that's where his path to success will be. And, you know, unfortunately with the Red Sox bullpen, I mean, we're just, we're just packed right now. You know, you got one more year of Martin, one more year of Jansen. Um, I'd love it if we got a guy like Matsui in here um, to kind of, you know, extend beyond uh, the current contracts uh, that way we don't have to completely overhaul uh, the bullpen in 2025 but I'm only interested in him if if it's a reliever and I think that's where the problem lies because I think he sees himself as a starter um, he turned down a two-year deal from the Padres eight million a year and turned it down to test free agency so I don't think he wants reliever money. I don't think he wants bulk guy or swing man money. He wants starting pitching money. He wants 15 to 17 a year or something like that. Um, so I'll set with that. Um, yeah. Not, just not a guy who really intrigues me. Um, you know, again, if, if he was willing to be a reliever, I would maybe consider it. But as you said, we have so many bullpen options to begin with. Do you really need to throw money 
at a guy like this, who's, you know, not overwhelming. Um, so my guess is that Martinez will land as a starter somewhere. Um, some team will take a shot on him, you know, some stupid team like the white Sox will, you know, sign him to be a starter and it will be, you know, probably a complete failure, but we'll see. The angels, the yeah, angels. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, that's fair. When you said stupid team, I just immediately thought of the angels. Yep. Yeah, they are still the stupidest team in the league, I think. So, uh, yeah, could, I could see that. But that that's where I think he's probably headed. Um, you know, it just, again, not not a fit at all for Boston, especially if he's uh, expected to be a starter. Could be the A's as well. I mean, they're going to need bodies in there to eat up innings. It's true. It's yeah. a big ballpark, too. So, that, you know, that always tends to help pitchers. But we'll see what happens with him. So last one on the list for this section, coming in at number 31, longtime thorn in the Red Sox sides, Kevin Kiermeyer, and they predict him getting two years, 26 million. Terry, what do you think of Kiermeyer? Honestly, I think Kevin Kiermeyer is one of the more overrated guys uh, in, in Major League Baseball. Um, he's a career 249 guy, not a high on base guy. He's had a pretty good glove, uh, over the course of his career. Um, just last year, you know, a 2.2 defensive war. That's pretty good, especially for Red Sox standards. Cause we're used to like negative one at just about every position. Um, so, you know, pretty good glove, but is he going to be an impact guy in the Red Sox outfield? Absolutely not. Uh, I hate the fact that he he has been a thorn in our side, uh, you know, much like a guy like Rowdy Telez has been a thorn in our side. For some reason, he just seems to play well against us. But um, again, not really a guy that that moves the bar enough for me. Um, you know, I I don't know who who we could be after. Um my boy, the guy I've coveted for so long, Castellanos, uh, you know, was briefly, I think, dangled out there, but um, the Phillies aren't interested. I want a guy that's gonna, I want a bona fide three through six guy. That That's who I'm looking for here. And, and Kevin Kiermeyer is, I maybe he's a six guy in, in some lineups, but to me, he's more of a bottom third of the order guy. And, um, I just, you know, I want a robust outfield again. Uh, like I said earlier, like it's tough to do much better defensively than Kiermeyer. I mean, he can really transform an outfield, um, because he is so good defensively, but as he ages, I mean, I don't see him becoming a better hitter. He's had, you know, in 2020, he hit 217. In 2022, he hit 228 with a 281 OBP. Like, I, I, he again, the defense is great, but you just have essentially another Jackie Bradley Jr. on your hands. And I, I, I'm ready to turn the page from complete defensive, you know, only players. Um, again, he's also a lefty. So, <laughs> How many lefties do you want in that outfield? I mean, now I'm completely like, out. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, I just uh, how many how many can they possibly have? Um, you know, Carlos Rodon 
is just going to be smiling when he sleeps the night before he faces the Red Sox because he's just going to face all lefties. It just they they need to find a balance. Um, I agree with Terry. I, I, I because they lose Justin Turner, they need a middle of the order right handed bat. That's going to be hard to find on the open market. I can think of maybe one or two guys that maybe fit that profile. Other than that, you you have to go on the trade market and you're going to have to find somebody to kind of fit that mold. Kevin Kiermeyer is far from a middle of the order bat. If he if he was hitting six in Boston, I think you have another 76, 78 win season. He is not the answer. He can definitely help a team. I thought the Blue Jays was a perfect fit for them for for them because you know they they don't necessarily need a ton of offense from him and they need good defense but the Red Sox are a completely different case they need good offense and they don't need another lefty so he's out I I do think 2 and 26 is still a little bit of an overpay for for a, a defense first player yeah, I agree. Two over 26 seems a bit steep. I know he is coming off his fourth gold glove, um, but I don't think teams are going to pay that much of a premium just for defense. Um, his bat is still okay, but that's all it is. It's okay. Uh, he's not a leadoff hitter. He's not a middle of the order bat. He's probably your seventh, eighth hitter. Um, you know, he's not a base stealer anymore. He's just kind of a decent ball player who happens to be exceptional defensively. So, um, whether or not he's going to get 13 million a year from anybody, I would be a little bit surprised. Um, but he, he'll, he'll land up somewhere again, some team that's got a high powered offense that just needs that glove in the outfield. He'll, he'll definitely find a spot. It's not Boston for sure. It's not Boston. Again, for all the reasons you guys mentioned the age, the fact that he's a lefty, the fact that, you know, the, the bat's going to continue to slip as he gets older. Um, you know, just not not the impact bat that the Red Sox are looking for in that outfield. It's got to be, again, preferably right-handed power, like a guy like Castellanos, someone like that. Um, Kiermaier's not the answer. So wherever he ends up, um, you know, they'll, they'll be better for it defensively, but I think the Red Sox can pretty much steer clear of him this offseason. And by the way, he, he had eight home runs, 36 runs driven in. I mean, no, thank you, please. Yeah, no, just not enough offensively. He's he's very much slowing down in that department. So all set with that. So we will wrap up this episode on that. Uh, keep an eye out for part three of the five-part series. We'll go through numbers 30 through 21 on the next episode of this list. So getting into more juicy players, maybe – guys that we actually want um i know we poo-pooed a lot of these options but again as micah said early in the show this is why they're in the 30s and 40s because they're just not very appealing options unfortunately but uh the list will get a lot more interesting as we go through it later this week so definitely keep your eyes out for that episode and as always if anything breaking happens with the red Sox, any signing any trade whatever uh we will be here for it So keep an eye out for anything related to that. So until then, everyone, enjoy your off season and take care.